Hello there, and thanks for joining me in today's uh, podcast. Journaling. Do you journal? Do you write down sometime during the day or the week or the month your feelings about certain events that have happened, uh, anticipations of what's ahead of you, experiences that you've had, experiences that are forthcoming, experiences that you've, ex- you've had and lived out for many, many years, and now you're just ready to write about them and talk about them, share them with somebody else? Do you write down some of your ideas and dreams and some of your anticipations, your fears, disappointments, hurts, letdowns, all these kinds of experiences that we all have on a day-to-day basis? Do you, but do you record them? Do you put them on paper? Do you let your feelings come out of you and drop onto the paper in front of you? Do you put a pen to your feelings? You know, you'll know how you feel better if you do write about them. But journaling is something that is being done all over the world, and it's been done for many, many, many years all over the world. Research studies have found that inmates in prisons that journal have a calmer prison life. They, they, they actually live more simply in, in a more relaxed kind of way if they journal. Hospitals have found that if patients journal, their, their rate of healing is faster and better. Psychiatric patients have also found that they do better in their treatment if they journal. Counseling patients of all kinds, with social workers, marriage and family counselors, psychologists, and so on, do better if they journal, and if their journaling matches the therapy sessions that they're having. You know, kind of a level of enrichment comes into the person's life. They live a higher quality of life. Their spirituality is enriched. The fact that they journal and reflect on some of the things that they feel and believe and, and um, try to incorporate into their lifestyle and make part of their day-to-day living. I've met very young people who journal, high school students, college students. I met a man that has journaled for over 25 years. Every single day of his life he's journaled for 25 years. And he has a raft of journals that he's kept over the years. He journals about four books a year. And he's done that now for 25 years. So you can imagine how many volumes of books that he has of his journals. And he goes through them periodically to know kind of how he felt or the experiences that he had maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago, or whatever. It's kind of a historical record for him of his life, of his feelings, of his experiences, and how he handled them. Journaling is, can be very complex. You know, you can make it into a very detailed story, almost like writing a book. Some people journal maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, or whenever they do write. But generally speaking, most people journal about eight minutes a day or eight minutes a time whenever they journal, whether it's once a week or every day or once a month or whenever. About eight minutes of their time is spent journaling, and that's a pretty good period of time. And if you could reflect on your feelings for eight minutes and record them, you're probably going to be a stronger and a, a just a, a higher quality person. You'll process your anxiety. You'll process your depression. You'll process your fears, your 
disappointments, your hurts, a little bit better than if you do nothing and just kind of think about them. Or sometimes even telling somebody else a story is helpful. It's good. But maybe journaling and telling somebody this story might be even better. So the question that I have for you is this. When do you journal? Or the other way of saying it, when is the best time to journal? When can you get the best advantage or the benefit from journaling? Well, not long ago, a research study was done at Michigan State University. They gathered together a group of students that uh, were going to take an examination. And an important examination at the university. And what they did is they separated them into two groups. The groups that were known for chronic worry. In other words, they live with a high level of anxiety, and they admitted that and were known for that. And a group of people that journal, but were known for calmness, and they were not anxious people. They were not depressed people. They did not live under high levels of stress as compared to that first group. And what they had them do was to journal before the examination that they were about to take, and the other group was to or, uh, journal after the examination that they were about to take. So it was a comparison of journaling before a stressful event and journaling after a stressful event, in this case, the examination. And what they found is that the best performance on the examination came by those students that journaled before the examination. In other words, here's what happened. When they journaled before the exam, they were able to kind of let go of their anxieties and their fears and their frustrations and their distress. They were able to put it on paper, eight minutes. They were able to put it on paper and kind of dump it, let it go, put it aside, and then focus fully on the content of the, evalua of the examination that they were about to take. In other words, are they going to be uh, bothered while the examination with anxiety was anxiety going to interfere with their thinking, interfere with their memory, interfere with their recall, or was the memory going to be more free and more uh, open to recall? So what they found is then when you journal before, you kind of let your anxieties go and you can focus fully on your examination. Where if you didn't. You took that examination, and when that, and your knowledge and your memory was contaminated by the fact that you also had anxiety going on simultaneously. You know, you can apply this kind of situation to many, many things, not just to an examination, but to tasks and performance that you have to do. Sometimes you have to give a speech, journal before. Sometimes you have to have some kind of a very important interview, a very high-level interview, a very necessary interview in your life journal before, kind of a job evaluation, interview before, a job, applied for a job, you're going to have an interview, journal before. In other words, do things before a stressful event. Get the, get the anxiety under control. Get the anxiety expressed. Get the anxiety on paper. Put it aside, so to speak. Put it someplace. Dump it. Park it. Park it somewhere. And then you can focus more fully on the task that you are about to undergird, undertake. So, there's the study. 
journalism is important. Journalism seems to have a very definite and positive benefit for people. All ages, kids and adults. But it um, doesn't take long. A couple minutes a day, eight minutes perhaps. And uh, use that as your journaling time. Journal frequently. You don't have to journal every day. But journal frequently. Journal regularly. You know, maybe a couple times a week or you know, at least once a week. You know, just kind of do some summarization, some reflection. Some thoughtful reflection on your life and your experiences and what's going on. But if you're under anxiety, you're under tension, you're depressed. And now you have to take on a task. You have to do something. Journal before. Okay? That's the advice of journaling. Now, before we leave today, let me just introduce you again to the rescue mission in your community. You know, every community has a rescue mission. We in Fresno have a Fresno rescue mission. Christian rescue mission and being available to the homeless and being available to those individuals who are highly, highly at risk within the community. And here's a place that they can go for a meal and get a bath and shower and uh, get a bed and clean up, clean sheets for a night or two and have opportunity to meet with others and have opportunity to meet with staff and have some counseling and get some training, get some job training, get their life turned around and be exposed to what the Bible teaches all of us and especially at times in our life when we are in distress. So if there's a rescue mission in your community, give some money to it. Send them a few bucks. They live on money that you donate. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. They, don't, don't, they live on the donations of churches, donations of businesses, donations of individuals, donations of families, corporations, foundations, and so on. So be part of the game. Send them some dollars. If you're in Fresno, it's the Fresno Rescue Mission on G Street. And um, get acquainted with the people down there. Don Eskis is the uh, CEO. He'd love to have a little chat with you. Give him a call. He'd give you a tour. All the rescue missions are open. They, they're welcome to have you come by and take a tour and become familiar with what's going on in that particular rescue mission. So if you've got a rescue mission in your community, give them some dollars. That's a nice way for you to be part of the solution to the homelessness of our communities, part of the solution to those that are highly, highly distressed and can't find their way in life. So here's a place where maybe they could find their way. So I recommend it to you. And um, thanks for joining me today on the podcast, uh, The Psychology Report. Bye for now.